Allora, è presto? No, I'm kidding. Okay, hi, I'm Nikki, compulsive eater. That's definitely the biggest hi, Nikki, I've ever heard coming back at me. Um, oh, boy, where to start? Okay. Um, first thing, I just want to get out of the way that my girlfriends and I drive. I came up here with two girlfriends, and driving on the way up, we agreed. We made a pact that over the course of the weekend, that every time somebody said something about the heat, we would each get a cookie. So, so far, we're at 11 cookies. So... I'm a very, very hungry girl, so keep bringing it up and the cookies will keep coming. Obviously, I'm joking. I, I don't binge on cookies anymore. Um, so here's how, here's how that story goes for me. Um, put the bottle down. Put the bo- oh, literally put the bottle down. Um, I was kind of insulted. I was like, wrong convention. Um, <laughs> so um, I first came into OA... Um, So there's, there's two parts to my story. Um, I was first in OA like over 20 years ago, I think. I'm doing some quick math on a podium is not easy. Um, sometime over 20 years ago, I was like probably about 19 years old. Yeah, well over 20 years ago. Um, and I came for the vanity, you know. We have this, stay, this saying, I came for the vanity, I stayed for the sanity. My story goes, I came for the vanity, I came back for the sanity. Um, I was in Overeaters Anonymous the first time for about uh, three years, I think. Um, I was in OA in Los Angeles, where I'm from. I was in OA in London, and um, I just wasn't ready. And by the way, if there are young people in this room, God bless you, keep coming back. I will tell you that um, I, I personally wasn't ready when I was young, but when I went away and left away, it, it didn't get better. There were, there were no really good solutions out there for me. It got better when I came back to OA. Um, So, and the first time around, by the way, I didn't really get a great sponsor, didn't really work steps, and um, consequently didn't really get abstinent. Um, I'll get to when I came back um, to OA, you know, 10, 15 years later. Um, but where my story starts, I don't really, if I did enter the world as a compulsive eater, I wasn't aware of it. I don't remember, like, crazy food memories as a little girl. Um, I do want to say, um, since I know there are newcomers in the room, that I'm not an expert. I am not like the face of OA. You'll hear lots of speakers this weekend. None of us are the face o of OA. We are just one of many faces of OA. And so this is my story. If you can't relate to it, I, I hope that you'll stick around and listen to some other people that are telling your story. Um, but I was not obsessed with food when I entered the world. I was not obsessed with my body. Um, I think I was a fairly normal kid. Um, I was athletic. I was a gymnast and a dancer. And um, consequently, I had a certain body type that comes with those, doing those activities. And, um, you know, I was lean. And this part's always a little bit embarrassing to share in a room of mixed company, but it's part of the story. But having been really athletic, I didn't enter womanhood, let's say, until I was much older. So for, uh, you know, as a teenager, I was kind of scrawny, you know. And um, what happened for me is later in my teenage years when I went through some changes, um, a lot of little girls, I think, get excited about those changes, you know. And my reaction was no. Like, let's just put the brakes on this right now. Because I, I had sort of identified, like, as this, like, kind of, you know, fit little girl. And um, 
So it was messing with my concept of myself. And that's where the food started for me. Um, I was dancing at the time, and I remember saying to a, like a, a fellow dancer that I was on a scholarship with, um, do you think I need to lose weight? This is the first time I'd ever asked anyone this question out loud. Do you think I need to lose any weight? And she looked at me and she said, you? No. And then I said, are you sure? And she looked again and she said, okay, if you want maybe three pounds. And that is where my story starts. Chasing the three pounds, chasing the five pounds, chasing the 12 pounds, chasing the six pounds, chasing the 20 pounds, chasing the two pounds, chasing the eight pounds, chasing the 22 pounds, like this, back and forth, back and forth. Um, for those of you that are interested in numbers, I can't tell you my weight loss because I don't step on scales. I ceremoniously threw mine out as per my sponsor's direction over 12 years ago. I'm abstinent 12 years, by the way. Um, gosh, thank you. Um, um, I'd like to thank my helper, God. Um, um, anyway, I very ceremoniously threw my, um, my scale in the dumpster over 12 years ago at my sponsor's direction. It was my higher power. I was weighing myself like, you know, before and after meals, before and after elimination. Um, that's a fun thing to say in a room this hard. <laughs> um, I'm so glad this is being recorded. Um, <laughs> um, but that, that's, that's where I come from, you know, that kind of craziness over what I look like and what you think of me. You know, it's, it's pretty remarkable, actually, for me to stand here as relatively relaxed as I am, knowing that you all might have an opinion about me. And, you know, it's funny, my girlfriends were kind of asking me before I came up earlier, like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, you know, I have a, there's a little bit of butterflies in here. I'm not going to lie. But, I mean, I'm just going to tell my story. I'm, I'm, I'm here as a humble servant to carry the message, you know. And uh, uh, this is my tale. And hopefully some people relate to it. But there's really nothing to be nervous about. I've told my story a million times. And, you know, sometimes when I tell my story, people say, yeah, it was like that for me too. So that's like that. That would be the great result. That would be the most I could hope for. Um, so I started the process of dieting, and the more I dieted, the more I gained weight, and the more self-obsessed I got. Um, I've learned over the years in Overeaters Anonymous that I don't have a food problem. I have a problem of mental distortion. I have a problem, not meaning anorexia versus compulsive eating, because let me be clear, I am a compulsive eater, overeater. Um, but I have a problem of exaggerated self-importance, you know? Um, this is what the big book tells me that I have, that I got a big ego. You know, what's, are we allowed to swear? We probably shouldn't swear. It's what's the thing in the rooms we say I'm the biggest piece of something that the world revolves around or no, I'm the worst piece of something the world revolves around. That was very much me. And so, um, over the years, not in a way, um, the way my disease mostly looked who wears the timer, by the way, Jack. Okay. And are there like minutes? Are there like milestone minutes? What are they going to be? Cool. But like, is it 10, 10, 10 or? Sweet. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, um, what it mostly looked like for me is kind of being a quote unquote good girl during the week or whatever. And then on the weekend there would be these binges. And, um, there was, um, a lot of, used to be like a lot of junk food, um, and then as I graduated into some more sophisticated methodology of compulsive eating, I got into like sort of 
healthy detoxes and cleanses and like binging on really weird kind of healthy alternative things. And um, because of their outside issues, I'm not going to list the weird diets and things I did, but I combined weird foods and did all sorts of crazy stuff, still consuming massive amounts of calories, you know, but, um, just in different combinations or just every, every crazy thing that we've done. Um, and weighing myself before and after, um, I got into laxatives, um, the most, that was at its worst um, when I was traveling. I think I was up to a box of, of a particular commercial diet laxative, which is like, I think I want to say 22 pills in the box. So um, here we are with math again. Um, if, there's any, or if there are any laxative abusers in the room, you know that this is messy situation. And um, <clears throat> it interferes with work. Again, you have to do math. You've got to calculate when things are going to happen and sometime the next day, whatever. Yeah, humbling, people. <laughs> humbling. Um, and, but it's important that I remember that. It's really important because, like, there but for the grace of God, there go I again. Like, that's, that's me. That's my best thinking, you know. Um, so I went on with wacky behavior like that for a number of years. And um, I came back into OA... 13 and whatever years ago, um, I was, um, singing and dancing. I was on, on a contract overseas and, um, my father was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And, um, you know, I've told this story so many times. It doesn't matter how many times you say my father was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. It, it, it never, it never doesn't like stab you in the guts, you know? Um, but my best thinking, but this is part of the difference is now when I say my dad was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, I feel it, you know, and what I felt before when I heard that was hungry, you know, and what I felt before when I heard that was fat. That was a feeling. I thought that was a feeling. I thought fat was a feeling, you know? So I felt either hungry or fat alternating, depending on the day, depending on the hour, depending on the minute, sometimes both at the same time. And I found that they, that one solved the other problem really well. Like I'm hungry. Um, like I should eat. I feel fat. I should starve myself. I mean, it was just nonstop. Um, so, um, what was happening is I was singing and dancing in these shows and I was, um, fighting with cast members because I was so self-involved. I, I couldn't acknowledge the pain that I was in over the loss I was going through with my father. So I was fighting. I was taking it out. I was throwing tantrums backstage and like throwing things in the desk dressing room. My costumes were ripping and I was missing entrances because I couldn't get my zippers up from the weight I was losing. And then after I flew home to say goodbye and bury my dad, I came back to the, my job and like made a vow to lose weight and then did that. And that's what it be like. That's what my father's passing was about what I was going to eat and how I was going to get out, of, get it out of and off my body. And when that contract was finished was when I came back to OA. And that's what puts us at the came back for sanity part. I came for vanity. I came back for sanity. And when I came back the second time around, I just wanted to be better. I mean, I really got that I had a spiritual malady, that that was my problem. I finally got, uh, I guess we were 30, right? At 30 years old, I finally got that my problem was not a physical problem, but a spiritual problem. At 30 years old, I finally got, for those of you that are doing the math, yes, that makes me 43. Um, I finally got at 30 years old that, um, that I was sick, that I was sick. And, um, that my thinking really needed to change. 
So I was very willing. So I got a sponsor. I got a good one, and I got one quickly. I, I, I said to someone I was became friends with early in OA, um, I need a sponsor. Do you know anyone? She gave me a phone number. I didn't meet her. I just called her. I heard she was absent at that point a couple thousand years, and I said, I, you know, I'll be sponsored by someone who's been absent for years and years. I called her, and we started working together. That right there was the beginning of massive change for me because I don't do that. First of all, I don't ask for help for period, period. And if I'm going to ask for help, I'm going to find somebody beautiful, skinny, young, fabulous, smart, talented, successful, brilliant, genius, accomplished. I didn't know her. She might've been all those things. I don't know. All I know, I was given an anonymous phone number, call this person. She can help you. She's been absent a long time. I did. She helped me. She told me what to do. Um, turns out she was pretty fabulous. Um, but I didn't know that. I, I didn't know what to expect from her. Um, I just followed directions. I'm not a good direction follower. That's not my thing. I'm kind of rebellious by nature. I'm kind of bratty by nature. By nature, I'm argumentative. My girlfriends over there are nodding their head. I just want you to know they are nodding their heads. Um, it's true. I'm not. I'm not naturally compliant. Um, but I complied with my sponsor's direction because I was in pain. You know, I was just in a lot of pain. And when my sponsees ask me now, like, you know, what's it, when am I going to be willing? I'll be like, when it, when you hurt enough, you know, when you hurt enough. And, and, and when they call me in pain and when they're feeling bad about themselves, like my food was terrible or this or that, I never give them a hard time because I figure number one, they're giving themselves a hard time enough. And two, like they've just haven't bottomed out when they feel that pain, they're going to be willing. It's going to happen. Um, so that's what happened for me. I was in a lot of pain, so I got super willing and I followed direction like crazy. And then it took about a year or so to work all 12 steps. No, that's not true. It took about a year to work up to step 10. And then after I did my regular inventories, um, my sponsor had me do a sex inventory, which was 166 pages. Um, and that took about another year to hand over that inventory. Um, so within the course of a couple years, I was through the 12 steps and I've continued to do them over the years. Um, in my humble opinion, they are the magic, you know, they, like they, they are the reason that I'm abstinent today. They're the reason that I've been abstinent for these 13 years. Um, I had to be instructed on how to live a life. It's apparently like not, not natural for me. I don't know how to do it. You know, if I'm challenged, I want to eat. If I'm challenged, I want to be perfectionistic, full of vanity, ego, fear, pride. Like th these are, you know, these are my cozy, these are my cozy, cozy blankets that I like to cuddle up to. And I learned through working the steps that, um, that my problem was not a food problem and that my problem was not a body problem, but my problem were these character defects. My problem was my resentments. My problem steps one through three. My problem was my lack of faith. My problem was an exaggerated sense of self. I needed something bigger than me. And I thought I was pretty big. So I needed a giant higher power to turn my will and my life over to, which is going to get us to the letting go thing in a second. Um, steps four and five told me that I, I needed to take stock of my anger and my resentment, which I didn't know I had. I mean, I knew I was overweight. That's what I thought, but I didn't know I was angry. It turns out I was very at a lot of people. So I had to do all that writing and I had to purge all that and get to what my part was in all of that. And when I really looked at my part, I, I saw the patterns. I saw over and over again. Here it is, Nikki. It's your vanity. It's your ego. It's your pride. It's your lack of humility. It's your perfectionism. It's your impatience. It's your fear. These are my problems. It was never my weight. I don't care if I was a thousand pounds overweight. 
It was always these character defects. I don't care if I was underweight. It doesn't matter. It was these defects that I ate over. Um, um, And handing that over to my sponsor, to another human that would listen, to humbly say, this is what I've done. You know, this, this is, this is a piece of who I really am and having her say, it's fine. It's fine. You're lovable with this. You know, you're lovable to me and you're lovable to your higher power, you know? And I continue that process on a daily basis. I do, I do write 10 steps. Um, um, I find it very helpful again to purge. I just send a little something off to my, um, sponsor at night. Um, I pray and meditate very, very badly. Um, but I do it, you know, there's nowhere in our literature that says you have to do it well. It just says you have to do it. So I do it badly. I've been doing it really badly for 13 years and I'm abstinent. Um, and I carry the message step 12. That's what I'm doing here now. You know, so there's, there's nothing like, you know, I'm a performer, I'm a singer. And this is not like, this is not me here entertaining you. This is me here just carrying the message, one compulsive eater to another, you know, this is, I was suffering I took my sponsor's direction. I did these 12 steps. I'm no longer suffering. I'm not obsessed with food anymore. I'm not obsessed with my body anymore. I haven't been for years. You know, I've been the same, I've been in the same clothing size for 12 years now. It took about a year or so for the weight thing to take care of itself. Um, and I've been the same clothing size. You know, you go through my closet and there's one size and that's that. Um, I do want to, um, our theme is letting go. Um, It says here on my iPhone, um, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Do I have a minute or so to say what that means to me? Okay. God, I offer myself to thee. Um, for me, that means big dude in the sky, watermelon person, thing, pair of blue jeans, ex-boyfriend, whatever higher power thing, the ocean, whatever you are, that's bigger than me. It doesn't matter. I'm giving, giving myself to you. That's basically God as I don't understand him. All those things I listed, um, to build with me and do with me, do with me as thou wilt. In other words, it's not up to me. I'm not in charge. You know how this goes, me telling my story. It's really not my business. I say to my higher power, help me here. Relieve me of the bondage of self, because like I said, that's my problem, the bondage of self, that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. I hope that's what I'm doing here now. I mean, I think that's the point. I'm saying, you know, 13 years ago, I said, take away my difficulties. And, you know, they were taken away, at least the ones involving food and body. I still have a life. I'm still a human, you know? But every time a difficulty is taken away, I stand and I say, this is... This is what the difficulty was. This is what I did. The difficulty went away. Um, so I hope that this is the opportunity to bear witness to those I would help, which is hopefully you. You know, this is the letting go of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, meaning God's power, God's love, and God's way of life, not mine. God's power, God's love, God's way of life. May I do thy will always. You know, that's big stuff. That's letting go for me. That's, that's relaxing. That's like a big hot bath for me. You know, that's, that's a manic, self-obsessed, self-involved, over-analytical, neurotic Jewish girl from Beverly Hills <laughs> saying, 
I'm not in charge. You are. Can you take care of it? And I'm just going to trust that it's going to be fine, whatever that means. Thank you. Time's up. Thank you, Jack and Pamela and Diane, for asking me to speak. And now, please welcome our final speaker for the night, Chris B. everybody. My name is Chris, and by the grace of God, I am a thankful, recovering, compulsive overeater. I have the ABCs of eating disorders. I'm recovering from anorexia. I used to starve myself. Bulimia, I used to purge the excess weight by abusing laxatives and over-exercising. And C, I compulsively overate. I passed my pictures out. I started them in the back. Um, If anyone wants to see them, I'll have them with me uh, because there's a lot of people here. I don't know that everyone will get to see them. I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous since November 22nd, 2001. My current abstinence date is July 28th, 2002. That is 10 years ago, 10 years and 11 months ago today. I have a sponsor, and I am a sponsor. My home group is the Saturday morning meeting in Elmhurst, Illinois. Oh, by the way, if anyone can't hear me, please raise your hand. Um, Yes. Oh, you can't hear me. I'm so sorry. Is that better? Okay. Thank you for letting me know. Um, I've weighed about the same within a few pounds month to month since 2003. This is the only thing I've ever done to address this problem that has lasted this long. In OA, my top weight was either 220 or 230. I really don't know. But my top weight ever was at least 437 pounds in 1996 when I wore pants with a 66-inch waist. I am 54 years old, 5 feet 10 inches tall, and this month I weighed in at 164 pounds, and I wear pants with a 36-inch waist now. This is a shirt that I wore when I was um, very heavy, but it's not the largest size I wore. I sweated the tag off, and I think it's 3X. Um, but the largest size I ever wore was 7X. So just to give you an idea. And this used to be tight on me um, to the point where I would put the buttons under pressure and you were in danger of losing your eye if you walked by me. Here is an apron that a friend of mine made for me because I used to spend so much time making baked goods in the kitchen, and I could barely tie it behind me before, but now I can tie it in front. Watch this.
This is what a 66-inch waist looks like, how much more there was of me in this belt. I'll pass this around, too, in case anyone wants to see it. And that's how much of my belt sticks out now. I know this is taking a lot of time, and I know it's using up my time, but they asked me to bring the visuals. So if anyone wants, could I ask someone for help, if someone could take this to pass it around? It's got on there uh, holes, extra holes punched that I had the shoemaker put in there because he had a tool to punch through the leather. And I started putting waist measurements on there and things like that. Oh, um, Nick, would you do me a favor and just stand up so people could see that that is my entire arm span, and I bet it's his as well. Well, it'll give you an idea. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's almost as long as I am tall, because I'm 70 inches tall. That's a 66-inch waist belt, so it's a little bit longer than that. And my last visual are my wedding rings. Why do I have two wedding rings? I've only been married once. Uh, This was from 1982, and then I got too big for this. Then I had them make this one, and I got too big for this one. But this one fits almost in side the other one. The first ring is a 10, and I think the other one is a 23 or a 24. I'm not sure. Um, Would you take this, Jen? Thank you. Okay, enough with the visuals. What the heck? The theme of this convention is let go. So here, in a general way, is what I was like, what what happened, and what I'm like now, with an emphasis on how I let go. What was I like? This is a disease of self-hatred. I was born in 1959, married since 1982. I'm the father of three children. I live in Melrose Park, Illinois, about 15 miles west of Lake Michigan in downtown Chicago. My weight used to be up and down most of my life. I have let go of that. There will always be some fluctuations, but they don't need to be huge like they used to be. I used to have two thoughts. Thought one, food. Thought two, I wish I were dead. My concept of God was punitive. I have long since let go of that. Again, if you can't hear me, please raise your hand. Uh, I never felt I was good enough. I'm reminded that the acronym for the word binge, B-I-N-G-E, is because I'm not good enough. I chose to let go of that. Most of the time, I used to experience the driving need to overeat. I believe God my higher power has allowed me to let go of that. In 1973, I graduated from eighth grade. The cake at the party didn't say, congratulations, graduate, or good luck in high school. It said, to the superior, inferior child. I asked my mom why she had the bakery put that on the cake, and she said, well, Christopher, that's because you think you're so superior, but you're really inferior. I let go of my resentment regarding that. I realized that cake was right. That is how I felt. I felt so inferior that I felt obligated to go around acting like I was superior to compensate. In 1998, someone told me about OA. She sent me a book about the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. I wanted to kill her. (laughs) I didn't come to OA then. The next year, when my 14-year-old son passed away and the doctors could not tell us why, I overate through that. 
That was over two years before I came to OA. I still hold my son in my heart. But most days, I, with the help of my higher power, have been able to let go of the extreme sadness and anger surrounding his death. A part of me died when he died. I let go of expecting that part of me to grow back. Like men who have lost their legs, they never grow new ones. In the meantime, I get to work on the other parts of me. I have let go of several things I tried before OA, including anorexia and bulimia, dexatrim, AIDS candies, over-exercising like a maniac. I let go of diets, such as the soup and yogurt diet I made up myself. If it was soup or yogurt, I ate it. If it wasn't, I didn't. The one-meal-a-day diet. I let go of eating only at home, eating only at work. I do use a plan of eating, but I don't treat it as a diet. Diets are something I used to go on only in the hope that someday I was going to go off them. I used to believe the best way to let go of something was by using spiritual Velcro. I would let go of something, and I would make a spiritually noticeable ripping noise, like Velcro. I used to make sure you were aware of what it cost me to let go of something. I let go of that. So what happened? In 2001, I searched for OA on the Internet, and on Thanksgiving Day that year, November 22nd, I attended my first OA meeting at Swedish Covenant Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. I was very close to my current body weight at that time. I had lost weight using a food plan, but I could not keep it off. At that meeting, I learned that I have a disease, this disease, as I heard honest sharing about what people said they did with food. I was abstinent off and on for my first eight months in program, but half measures led me to a frightening relapse. I couldn't seem to let go of certain foods and behaviors. At one point, after coming to OA, I gained 40 pounds in three weeks. I was eating about 14,000 calories a day, my best guess. Pain kept me coming back to OA in those first months. The pain of this disease. Pain is the only knife sharp enough to cut through the way I used to be in order to get me to act differently. My meeting attendance was infrequent then. So what happened in terms of what did I let go of? In the OA 12 and 12, pages 2 to 3, it says, If we want to live free of the disease of compulsive eating, we must abstain from those foods and behaviors which cause us problems. Page 44 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous also defines alcoholic or problem substances or behaviors for any addict. So what are mine? My personal definition of abstinence... Oh, I got one more visual. I'm sorry. Is in the back of my big book. If someone could take this for me and pass it around. And maybe the far section. Thanks, Nick. Uh, my personal definition, the foods and behaviors that cause me problems, uh, there are seven things currently. Two behaviors are starving myself and laxative abuse. And the five food types are sugary dessert items, peanut butter, pizza, restaurant Chinese food, and restaurant Mexican food. Certain foods are better off in the trash than on my body. I just let go of them. I haven't had to pick them up in the past 10 years and 11 months, and I haven't died of malnutrition because of it. 
So what am I like now? God-given abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. I let go of putting other things first, my job, my wife, my children, because when I wasn't abstinent, I didn't have much interest in those things. When I used to get high on food, I really didn't care much about anything except more food. I follow a food plan, which includes a wide variety of foods that taste good to me. I weigh and measure most of my food in some way. How do I know if any nutritionally sound food plan is working? If I'm eating to approach or maintain a healthy weight, it's working. God wants my attention. I believe he wants me to come to him, to rely on him. My conscious contact with him is one thing I don't want to let go of. Imagine a car with intermittent headlights. The connection is not a good one. Something is short-circuiting. It gets especially dangerous when rough weather or darkness comes. That's when I really need the headlights to work. However, many cars have what they call day-runner lights. They're on when the car is on. That's the kind of connection I need with my higher power, conscious contact. So when I really need the connection, it's there. When I decided to honor my commitment to abstinence, what else went with it? What did I really let go of for the most part? And I'm going to ask for help. Every time I raise my arm, you could all say, let go. I of being short of breath when sitting still. Sluggishness, the mental fog. I of holding the phone receiver up to my hairline so I couldn't be heard chewing. I of peanut butter hangovers. I of having breasts that were larger than some women's breasts. I of stinking from my poor hygiene habits. I of striving to get my money's worth at all-you-can-eat buffets, but never feeling as if I did, no matter how much I ate or how long I stayed there. I let go, thank you, that of denying that I have a disease. I let go of the feeling of being stuffed, poisoned, ill, and sweaty most of the time. I let go of constant self-hate, shame, and self-sabotage. I let go of breaking chairs. I of using the trunk of my car in Illinois winters as a refrigerator for my binge foods. I of ripping my clothes on seats at movie theaters because I was so fat and I couldn't fit my body into the seat properly. I of a of having a sticky steering wheel on my car. I of frequent food stains on seat belts and my clothes. I of constantly wishing I were dead when I wasn't thinking of food. I of people yelling at me on the streets of Chicago as I made my way from the train to my office when I used to work downtown. What the F are you trying to do? Walk it off, they would shout. Or I would hear on public transportation, get your effing fat A off this bus. I'm still in the process of letting go of my prime defect, selfishness, but I'm working on it. I still have emotionally bad days. I just don't overeat over them. It's not an option. I let go of always going for perfection. When I learned to ride a bike, it wasn't pretty. When I taught my children to ride bikes, it wasn't any better. 
one saying that goes for bike riding as well as this program. There will be falls. That's why it's good to wear long pants, preferably thick jeans, when learning to ride a bicycle. And in this program, that's why I have a higher power to protect me and guide me and to help me learn about balance. I also have step 10. I let go of constant bad posture. I'm still working on the ability to let go of taking things for granted. I work remotely out of my home in Illinois. I recently went on a business trip to my company's home office in New Hampshire. I let go of the evil and corroding thread of fear of having a face-to-face meeting with my manager. I thought I was going to get a talking to or a dressing down. It didn't happen. God took care of me once again. In fact, my manager suggested increasing my authority level, which I see as an encouragement. Of course, there are things I need to work on, and we talked about those too. As a result of taking these actions, my whole life has improved. Relationships, physical well-being, mental outlook, my connection to God. No matter what I weigh or what I look like, I am still a compulsive overeater. I accept that. The big book of AA says acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. I believe it. I let go of always focusing on what's bad in life. I recognize that whatever I focus on will increase. If I focus on what's bad, that'll grow. If I focus on what's good, then good will flourish in my life. I try to ask myself before I say or do something, is this loving? Sometimes it actually is. Sometimes not so much. In the big book of AA on page 181, it also talks about us letting go of the privilege we once had to practice our disease. After all, as it says on page 58, the result was nil until we... Absolutely. I let go of the illusion of control and strength. Those visuals took forever. I'm sorry. I was within 20 minutes. I'm I'm being honest with you. And I'm either going to have to cut something or I'm going to go over. I'm sorry. I offer that weakness up to my higher power's care. His loving grace, which is the unmerited love and favor of God, allows me to face each day. We have an ash tree in our yard. I noticed some branches were dying. We had two experts come out and look at it. They both came to the same conclusion. It's dying. The tree needs to be removed. It's infested with an insect called the emerald ash borer, which gets inside the tree, bores into it, and kills it from the inside out. Just as compulsive overeating is a disease that works the same way on me. Recovery is the same, too. As I've already heard at this convention, it's an inside job. My learning and process in OA has been of the gradual, slow, educational kind. It's ongoing. God knows I want results fast. But fast results have always been fast to disappear for me. I let go of that. Anything worth something costs something. See, if I get things fast, I don't value them. Also, if I go too fast, things might break. As of this moment, I'm not a broken person, just a person doing what he can to recover from a deadly, killing, fatal disease. I'm trying to live the steps, not just work them or take them, but live them. I try to live them and the traditions to the best of my ability. On my way here from Ontario Airport, I saw a sign that said, Waterman Avenue. 
on the highway. I think it's 10. I thought it said Watermelon Avenue. (laughs) I am such a compulsive overeater. (laughs) I sometimes use a GPS navigation system. What does GPS stand for? Global Positioning System. I put in the destination I want to arrive at, and then it calculates a route. I've got one page left, (laughs) so we're nearing the end. Uh, It calculates a route. It can come up with a route that avoids highways um, or the fastest route. Or if I'm walking or riding a bike, it will give me different routes to get to the same place. If I go straight, when it suggests that I turn right, it recalculates. If I then go a bit further and turn left when it says to keep going straight, it recalculates. It takes into account where I'm at and then figures out how to get me where I say I want to go from my present location. Our program is the same way. I want to end up at the destination of recovery, just the recovery zip code. I can go to any number of locations when I am there as long as I stay in the recovery zip code. In my recovery, I also need a GPS, a God positioning system. Just like a global positioning system, no matter how many wrong terms I've taken, God never gives up on me. A GPS does not uh, shut down and say, hey, just forget it. You never do what I'm telling you, so I'm not going to be here for you anymore. (laughs) Neither does God. When I get off course, God immediately comes up with another way. Everyone makes mistakes once in a while. My higher power still has a way to bring my dreams to pass. I used to think God was mad at me, keeping a record of everything I ever did wrong. When I made poor choices, I wouldn't dare go to God and ask him for help. I thought I had to pay for my mistakes. I actually got to a point where I gave up on my dream that I could ever recover from this disease. I went around depressed and defeated, thinking that I was paying God back. I have made mistakes, but nothing I have done is too great for God to handle or forgive. Nothing is too much for the mercy of my higher power. God has never let go of me. I've got one more paragraph. Could we take a group group conscience? Would it be okay if I went one more? Okay. I'm almost done. This is pretty good, you know, for me. I don't retain. I want to respect the group conscience. Is it okay? Does anyone object? I will stop. Okay. I don't retain and remember all the meetings and readings I've experienced, just as I don't recall the full details of every single abstinent meal I've ever had. But I am sure that they all nourished me in some way. I am not alone. You are not alone. None of us is. I let go of that need for isolation. I've always had a choice. Before I got into recovery, I wasn't open to it. I refused One thing I would encourage us all to hang on to and not of is being the people God wants us to be, no matter how many times we've fallen short of that. This Region 2 convention is what it is because of each and every person's presence here. You have the opportunity to make a difference, a contribution to make. Don't let go of that. Keep coming back. May your higher power bless you all abundantly. Thank you. Okay, we're getting ready for the grand finale.
And we have a few songs, and then we're going to let go of the balloons. So first, would you welcome with me one of our members. Uh, He has performed with a lot of greats in bluegrass and country music. Please welcome Jim S. Start thinking about what you want to let go of because we're going to let go of these balloons in just a few minutes. I'd like to say to the uh, folks who are here that uh, have never seen me before, seen me in a meeting, anywhere else, I just want to tell you, the new, and especially the newcomers, as far as the program goes, I've been sent here by God to test your serenity. Well, I don't mean any disrespect. Please don't misunderstand. Don't you call the coalition. Try to have me banned. Just because I may appear to have a different view. If you'll give me the benefit, you might believe it too. Cause wouldn't you prefer to live life that's rich and full? Knowing what tomorrow holds The mystery's such a thrill So if tonight The ground beneath your Eden Starts to shake Just roll over Look to God and thank Him For the snake Thank God for the chance He gave For us to all be free Remember Just as it should be And through the laughter Through the tears No sense of it you make At least there are no bars or walls So thank God for the snake Well now they say this creature Once had legs and walked amongst us tall now he is a symbol of how far a man can fall And is the fear engendered too much for you to take When you're looking in the mirror and you're looking at that snake Well I must admit sometimes the fear will paralyze my soul Doubt comes gripping at my heart Just will not let go Miracles can happen only by a leap of faith So grab that apple, take a bite Thank God for the snake Thank God for the chance he gave For us to all be free 
just as it should be And through the laughter, through the tears Your heart begins to break Well, freedom has its price, my friend Thank God for the snake Well, now, if I were God, I don't believe I'd change a single thing Except upon occasion I might like a bell to ring To remind you That I won't be harsh Whatever road you take I'm walking right beside you And we won't step on my slate Thank God for the chance he gave For us to all be free Remember everything he made just as it should be And through the laughter Through the tears Your heart begins to break Well, freedom has its price, my friend But thank God for the snake Yes, it through the laughter Through the tears Your heart begins to break Well, freedom will exact its price, but thank God for the snake. A few years ago, a friend of mine, the most singular character I've ever met in my life, turned at a funeral of another friend of ours, and made the most outrageous statement I'd ever heard. Well, naturally, I had to go and try to turn it into a song. And it's really funny how things happen, because you start down one road and you end up somewhere else. I said goodbye, Butcherney, Larry, and Ray. Sure was a pleasure sharing life's game. While you left way too early, we had no control. But your lights are still glowing deep in my soul. And as long as I'm able to still crack a smile. Your memories will ease these last lonely miles All my old friends are dropping like flies Melting away like Eskimo pies Don't mean to be too glib or too glum We all took the journey and now yours is done but if this is my last song before it all ends I thank you and love you all my old friends To those who are still well in the fight To those clinging tenuously onto life I have no solutions but if God gives me time I'll be by your side 
take your hand in mine And whatever the future, though it be unknown I won't let you go through that door alone When my time comes, if I find myself Out in the wilderness, left to myself I'll just close my eyes and drift through the years Where visions of you will ease all my fears And when I see that bright light as I round the last bend I expect I'll find spirits of many old friends All my old friends are dropping like flies Melting away like Eskimo pies Don't mean to be too glib or too glum We all took the journey and now yours is done But if this is my last song before it all ends I thank you and love you all my old friends Yes, if this be my last song before it all ends I thank you and love you all my old Friends. There you go. All right, we're getting to balloon time. We are going to have one more song and then we are going to let go of the balloons. So, here, if you would please welcome and appreciate you guys hanging in there, please give a hand to Ashley. When you're 
For staying here, this is It's Time Now for Letting Go. We've done it. We've done it. There is no more bridge over troubled water. We can carry on. We can let go, let go, because we are going to achieve the impossible dream. So it's not hard. Everybody take their balloon Take their balloon off the back of the chair. And don't let go yet. Don't let go yet. Hang on. Hang on. Pull the balloon down in front of your heart. Put it in front of your heart. Now, take, open your heart. And take every, take all those troubled waters from in your heart. Put them in this balloon. This is what you're going to be letting go of this weekend. I'm going to say one, two, and then let go. You could follow Chris. I can think you can follow me. One, two to let go. Whoa. Come on down. The words are on the back. The words are on the back if you'd like to join. Well, I woke up to the sound of silence of cars. We're cutting like knives in a fist fight And I found you with a bottle of wine Your head in the curtains Your heart like the 4th of July You sighed and said We are not We are not shining stars This I know I never said we are Though I've never been through hell like that I've closed enough windows to know you could never look back So if you're out there alone Or you're sinking like a stone Carry on Just learn to let go There's more love than you'll know Carry on So I met up with some friends on the edge of the night At a bar of 75 And we talked about how the disease alight No matter how hard we tried I'd like to think 
it's nice to know when I was left for dead. I was found and now I'm up in the streets. I am not the ghost you want of me. So I stand alone and you're sinking like a stone. Carry on. Just learn to let go. There's more love than you know. Carry on. Whoa, my head is on fire, but my legs are fine. After all, they are mine. Lay self will down on the floor. Open the door, use the phone, show me how. There ain't nothing gonna stop us now. Shining stars, we are invincible. We are who we are on our darkest day. We're miles away, so at last we will find our way home. If you stay alone, while you're sinking like a stone, carry on. Just learn to let go. Carry on. Let go, let go. Let go, let go. Let go, let go. Let go. Let go. All right. Everybody, let's join hands. I want to give a big shout out to our performers. A thank you for Cindy on the keyboard, all of our speakers, each and every one of you. And you know, let's join hands and let's do the OA promises. Oh, a final announcement there's an extra added workshop, four to five, a relapse workshop in the Oasis room. Come join us.